This is Brian Q. Miller, and you're listening to Across the Airwaves. CBS. The TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Across the Airwaves, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews, along with news and opinions on the television industry. I'm Dan Schmidt, your host, and with me is a guy who is the Superman to my Batman, my DC Nation co-host. Hey, everyone, it's uh, Michael J. Petty, and on this special edition of Across the Airwaves, we're going to call it a world's finest episode as regular ATA is going to be combining forces with Across Airwaves Smallville Retro Reviews to interview a very special guest who has actually worked on Smallville, has written several comics including the entire Stephanie Brown Batgirl series, and is now hard at work with the Smallville Season 11 comic, writer extraordinaire Brian Q. Miller. So Brian, welcome uh, to Across Airwaves. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. We got to work this out and got to have you on our show. It's really exciting for us and Probably very excited for our listeners as well. I'm excited too. Good stuff. We're we're glad to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, uh, Dan, do you want to start with, well, whatever you're doing? Yeah. Well, first, we're going to talk to you, Brian, about uh, your experience working on Smallville while it was on the air. And in case you guys don't know, Brian wrote the Smallville episodes, committed Bulletproof, Hex, Echo, Warrior, Sacrifice, Luther, Masquerade, and Prophecy. Then he also was story story editor on several episodes. And for that information, you can easily check out his IMDb, IMDb page, which will be running in your ACC feed. And Brian, we're just going to start things out with kind of asking you about this. You were a part of the Smallville family for the time where uh, Brian and Kelly running the show. Uh, again, that's how the guys at Starkville's House of L refer to them, so we're just going to go with that. And how did it feel... Right, and we had... Go ahead, Brian. Uh, and I just said, how did it feel... No, 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 no I'll go. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All I was going to add is that that first year, um, season eight, it was Brian and Kelly and... Um, right. Todd Slavkin and Darren Swimmer. They were also we had we had the we had the four chiefs of staff um, in season eight, and then it was officially the Brian Kelly run from for seasons nine and ten. Okay, all right, yes, and we knew that too. That's bad on our Smallville part there. Yeah, come on, Dan. <laughs> I think it was you. No, 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 no. It's just not, just not, to, not to slight Todd and Darren because they're they're great guys who, right. who I have a great for. So just wanted to keep them included. Definitely, and they they did some great stuff for the show and. We've enjoyed a lot of their episodes as well that they worked on. And just how did it feel to have to let go of being a part of that family and the work that you were doing pretty much, you know, most of the time uh, this year? It's um, it was very strange, actually. I mean, it's it's strange and then not strange because uh, we had the 
fortune yet unfortunate, if that's even a word, of um, every year kind of not knowing if we were coming back. So there was kind of always the uh, the bracing for the worst and, you know, preparing to not work with that group of people again the following year. Um, so it was kind of not that hard of an adjustment when it finally ended. I mean, the bigger part was just not going into an office every day. Okay. Um, but uh, by and large, we all, we all pretty much stay in touch. We had, um, we had, we had a big kind of staff reunion dinner, um, a couple weeks ago and it was really great to see pretty much almost everybody was there, um, from the last, from the last three years or so. And we had the, you know, the folks from editorial came and it was, it was, it was a good time. Everybody's, everybody's doing well. So. Well, that's awesome that you guys stay in touch. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I was I mean, going to say the same. Yeah, that really shows how much of a family Smallville really was, as we've all heard. Well, and I had been there for—I mean, God, I'd been there for like five years. So I mean, because I, I I started in season season five as an intern, so I had been there forever. So it's definitely you know one of those things where like Al uh, Al Septian, who was partnered with Terry Meyer on the show, he every you know every Christmas has like this fundraising function at his at his house um so you know i've been to to you know almost if not if not six of those i think we missed one so probably five of those since then so it's um it's definitely it's definitely a family yeah well that's, that's great to yeah hear that's about awesome a TV show especially when you know you hear these stories about shows from the fa- past how people didn't get along and there's all this dirt and stuff it's nice to hear that you know there's a family and there's it's not as cutthroat of a business as it seems Sometimes. Well, I think I think there probably was that, you know, like right. any TV show in the beginning. Right. You know, which was, you know, and not not to cite anything specific, but I'm pretty sure like every show has those growing pains that tries yeah. to figure out how it functions and what, what it is, and, you know, whatever it is. But um, I had the fortune of coming in after all of that. It kind <laughs> of weeded itself out. So nice. it was uh, fairly smooth. Yeah, I heard it's pretty much near the end, especially it was – Smallville was a real well-oiled machine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, it was. It was definitely. It was definitely. You know, down to a science. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, with an ending, was there anything that you wanted to do on the show that you didn't get to do? Uh, yeah, there's probably a couple stories that I had um, wanted to get on there that we didn't have time or the money to do, and so that's kind of the beauty of uh, of this comic existing now is that not not everything is stuff that that. Uh, or we didn't get to do, but there'll be little elements every now and then, which were things that we had talked about that just never came to fruition. So, anything specific that you could share, or just in general? Um, there was, and I guess I can share because I talked about it on. I want to say maybe on the Starkville, um, like last year, there was a um, a female, an all female JLA episode that we almost did, um, and it just logistically and financially didn't work out. So there'll probably be. Um, uh, a return to that idea at some point in season eleven. That would be very cool. Yeah, very neat. Uh, very birth of prey-ish. Yeah, I was gonna say it reminded me of that Justice League Unlimited episode where they had the girl fight club or whatever it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, with uh, was a, with Huntress and Canary and uh, right. I think that's Huntress and Canary on the. Uh, I think did Gail write that? I think Gail might have written that. Episode. I, I think you're correct. Yeah, 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 yeah I think so. Yeah. Rollout was the villain too. Yeah, I remember. And what Wildcat was in it, right? Wasn't Wildcat yeah. in that one? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. No, no, no. There were two episodes. There were two episodes with Roulette's Fight Club. There was one that was just the Fight Club episode, and there was one that was just all the girls. Yeah. Yeah. In a Fight Club. So I think I think the first one was a Huntress Canary episode that eventually Green Arrow right. kind of got involved in that that focused on Wildcat because he was stuck yeah. in that fighting circuit. And then there was another one that was just like girl fight. Right. That was just all the girl heroes in in. And Vixen was in it, and yeah, yeah, yeah that was and that's Wonder a Woman. That was a long yeah. season, yeah. Well, going back to the show Smallville, uh, Dan, way to keep us on task, man. Well, you know, you can go <laughs> off and talk Justice League Unlimited because that was equally as great of a show as Smallville, and I was diehard addicted to that show, like I was Smallville as well. But um, when you kind of going back in time a little bit, when you first came into the show with the episode uh, committed. You kind of wrote Lois and Clark as two in love, but afraid to admit it. And we're kind of curious on how was it different for you writing them in seasons nine and ten compared to like let's say season eight or even earlier, depending on what you worked on. Um, I kind of, I mean, it, it they may have played it differently, but I always approached writing for the two of them the same. So, I mean, I think character-wise, definitely by the time we got to you know the on again off again portion for them um with the with the dating in season 9 and then they outright got together in season 10 i mean there were certainly different levels of honesty they could have with one another but i like to think i wrote kind of the banter and the back and forth and kind of the each you know uh, both of them giving the other one a hard time the same you know regardless of of kind of the the stage of their relationship would you say that's kind of how you write them now in season 11, too, or more like Lois Lane and Superman of the DCU? Um, well, <laughs> of which DCU? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Well, which one you... Pre-Flashpoint? That's an interesting <laughs> question. Um, it's, I want to I mean, they definitely, it's a continuation of, because I'm, I'm doing everything I can to keep kind of the the tone and the voice of the show true in the comic. So, So it's definitely... You know, it's not a new take on the two of them. It's it's kind of a continuation of of kind of how they've been interacting and and behaving as we as we move into season eleven. And I mean, the other the other thing that I very much enjoy about it too is that since there are no um, uh, kind of page count constraints, uh, nice. like usually in doing in doing an episode of the show right. for the for the TV, um, there would definitely be. You know anything that was non-essential, dialogue-wise. At the end of the day, you would have to cut for time. So, so you know there was you know, whatever kind of banter or fun between characters, not just Lois and Clark. Um, you know that would that would be in a script. Sometimes, if it made it to the screen, there was probably more that had to get cut. And I definitely, for both good and ill, have a problem with banter. So there'll be. There's a little more, a little more rat-a-tat back and forth kind of Howard Hawks um, with everybody in 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 the mm-hmm. comics, since we don't necessarily have to worry about, you know, uh, running long on on shootable on time. time. Yeah. yeah, nice, exactly. Well, well, I guess in terms of just just thinking with the the comics, I mean, are are you if if stuff can go longer, is it bumped into other the next issue? Or how does that necessarily work? Because I know you're kind of with comics, you're down to, isn't it, how many pages is it now? 24? 
Um, well, it's it's a different kind of thing for it's a different animal a little bit for the Smallville comic because we're doing the the weekly chapters and then those are collected as the as the print. So okay, and isn't the print forty eight pages? Um, I don't know what the exact count is. I believe because it's the same as Batman Beyond Unlimited, correct? Ah, uh, God, I think so. But it also um, there's still I mean in the print one there will still be pages of ads. Right. You know, just like with any print right. comic, and they're also going to have the bonus material of the um, of the episode guide that they're kind of putting into each issue. Um, okay. So, and I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work yet. Um, but so, story wise, I want to say it'll be it'll be a solid, I think, thirty pages of story for um, for each for each print issue because it's it's uh, each week twenty digital pages, which are then equal. 10 print pages per week and then that goes that combines to be the the print issue when it comes out and, that's and a really deal than what we're getting now <laughs> well and i mean and that's the thing too it's just a dollar a week yeah like like the yeah. buy-in and I, I said this on a comic-con panel and it sounds like a party line but it's just true like it's 99 cents it's a dollar it's less than a coffee at starbucks well and if it's every week you're only paying 52 bucks every year you look at that <laughs> Um, well, that's that's a, a lot less than I'd spend on comics a year. Let me tell you well, that and right now. <laughs> and it's for it, you know, it's what what I'm hoping because because the, there are lots of and it's not singling out like I've seen lots of different kinds of digital comics where it's not specifically written for kind of the format, not in the guided view sense, but just in a readability sense. Because we we definitely um, just like with the Justice League Beyond comic that just came out, and I think the Batman Beyond comic is doing it too, where it's a horizontal presentation is the intent. Yeah. Right. Um, and we kind of found our footing with with how to do that. I want to say more so, like in the second half of the first twelve weeks okay. than in the first half. But you know, we're literally trying to pack in as much uh, story as we can for that dollar because you can't beat it. Like mm-hmm. you cannot beat a dollar for. Like I want my goal, especially once we figured out what we were doing, yeah. is for those every week for you to go in and feel like. You got the deal of a comic book for a dollar versus feeling like you got exactly. a scene for a dollar. Exactly. So, so we're trying to, and definitely for for episode two, which I which I can't talk about yet, which is the second twelve week. Um, there's an insane, there's an insane amount of of story in in that second one. So I it's imagine. it's hopefully totally worth the money. So oh, how it, many it issues, will be regardless. <laughs> how many issues make up an episode? Um, it. It depends. Um, what I'm trying to do right now is um, 12, 12 weeks would be one, what, what I'm calling Megasode. Like a, um, okay. kind of the approach I wanted to go for was um, stories that were bigger than stories we could tell in a regular episode of the show. It's like okay. Absolute Justice, kind of. Kind of that that level, but if you took Absolute Justice and instead, of, like at that two hour event, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what what. Um, like one issue going, would be we're going for 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 one for one one episode would be okay so wow. like Guardian which is the season premiere would be the first four print issues or the first twelve weeks digitally okay and then as needed you know I'm you know I'm definitely as I'm working out kind of and walking the roadmap of the rest of the year there might be some that are just you know six week mm-hmm. story that you know uh, versus versus twelve week stories because I certainly don't want to belabor. You know, a story that's still exactly. cool, but not necessarily big enough to fill 12 weeks, because I don't want anybody to feel like they're wasting time either. So. Well, right. I mean, you also have to approach it from a Superman story standpoint. Right. Too. Besides just a small episode. Absolutely. 
Right, right. And so and it's a challenge, too, because with the digital versus the print, you're trying to hit every – and it's it's a really good – uh, just just as Twitter is kind of a good lesson in writing economically, to try and <laughs> yeah. get across a point across within 140 characters. Yeah. Um, with the digital comic, making sure you hit at the end of every 10 pages a cliffhanger big enough to make people want to come back the next week, mm-hmm. but then every 30 pages, making sure that, that that's a cliffhanger big enough that when it goes to print, that that cliffhanger yeah. will make want to buy the next issue 30 days from that. So it's um, it's it's tricky. I mean, it definitely helps keep things keep things moving in the book. So I'm um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to see how people react to it. Well, when you when you write it, do you write it as a digital issue or as a print issue? Um, it's really in the writing of it. Mm-hmm. There's not that much difference in how you write it. Okay. Like it literally, it's just it really I don't approach it any differently. It's it's just a matter of how many panels you would normally put. Mm-hmm. On you know a print page versus how many panels you would want in each horizontal half of what would be the print page, but is actually the digital page. It'll all make sense okay. when people get into it. But um, but writing wise, it's and and to that in that regard, I also I'm writing it just like I wrote the show. So I'm just taking I've literally I wrote the first uh, the first what two sets of 120 pages in final draft and then put it into Word to put it into comic book format. So okay. so it's definitely. I, I think with the, with Guardian with the premiere you're going to get if you just went by like final draft pages wise it would be three episodes wow. worth of regular show kind of script page oh, wise that's put awesome. into it so and and then for the second episode it's probably four okay. so it's it's a lot it's a lot uh, it's a lot for your money so hopefully hopefully folks buy into it so you're writing it in final draft again I I'm someone who um, graduated with a degree in screenwriting so I have basis on writing both television and um, film. Sure. When you wrote in Final Draft, did you follow, I guess, all those strict guidelines that come along with writing for television and film? And then when you, and then I guess, when you transferred it to the comic books, was that, was that difficult to do for you? Um, Not once I got used to it, because once I got used to it, it was pretty assembly line, just like finish, you know, basically every digital week, um, if you were to put it into like one of our regular TV scripts for the show, yeah. mm-hmm. would be one act in between commercial breaks. Okay. So, so just from a, like the first ten weeks, you know, that April thirteenth when that comes out, that first week is what you would have in between. And now the season premiere of Smallville and Somebody Save Me is that is what that first week is going to be. Now, um, can I can I ask this real quick? Will the first panel be Rebby Zero singing Somebody Save Me? <laughs> no, no. Darn it. Okay. Um, I think we and and I I have to see. Um, I we were we were experimenting with trying some way subtly at the very end of those first 10 pages to kind of like in a half transparent gradient kind of way in the mm-hmm. background, have like somebody save me written over and over again, just for that moment. But it just, it was a good idea on paper. And then when we saw it, it just didn't work. Yeah. So, well, my co-host on uh, the Smallville retro reviews spinoff of across your waves, Wu Kim, he, uh, he, he came up with that theory over our last episode and I thought it was pretty funny. So I told him I'd ask. No, we tried to work it in. It just, it just didn't, um, it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Now, is, is this true? I mean, from what I've been taught, you kind of have a little bit more freedom on the page in terms of, because I know there's very strict guidelines for film and television. Do you have more freedom, do you feel, writing a comic book script? Um, 
I mean, yes and no. It okay. it kind of just depends on what your goal is with the book that you're writing. Okay. So, I mean, definitely like for the TV side of it, your limitations are feasibility, producibility. Uh, you know, there's a financial aspect to it. Um, there's knowing what your actors can and can't pull off. Um, then, you know, on the on the comic side, there are elements of all of those things that are still present. Where you know, knowing the strengths and weaknesses of the artist that you're working with, um, as opposed to money being spent on things from a financial standpoint on the TV side, on the comic side, your page count is your money. Okay. So there's like every every panel, every page is valuable real estate. So if it's not, you know, you only have so many pages to get to that kind of end mark for that particular issue. So you certainly don't want to don't want to waste them. I mean. Often I will I will end up cutting two to three scenes of something just because like I liked them and they were fun, but if they don't really have bearing on the kind of the larger scope of the story, um, it's or they're a distraction from kind of character or plot. Even if they're fun, right. uh, they still spend kind of pages. You know they spend those page dollars. So so they still you know stuff still winds up getting cut. Um, but by and large, it's, it's. I think it's very similar. I think it just depends on kind of how you write. I mean, on the comic book side too. What what I had with the with the Batgirl stuff, and then I had done some Teen Titans stuff at one point yeah. too. Um, you've got the benefit of having um, narration captions that you can put in to right. help convey literally anything. Like if there's something exactly. in the art that doesn't come across, you can go in and do some patchwork with a narration caption to explain. Like it's it's a it's a, a crutch for lots of folks, but it's also a very important tool. And on the TV side, if you're a show that doesn't do narration, like if you're Burn Notice or Dexter or something, you can you can get away with it. But if you're not, then you can't. So kind of in this weird hybrid of the show um, and the comic book for season eleven, uh, it's. It's trying to find that right balance without using narration captions because the show never had narration captions. And we didn't really, with rare exception, go inside of a character's head to hear what they were thinking. Um, There's usually a plot device uh, that was ham-fisted in. Cough, cough. But um, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, uh, so so those aren't present. Um, in, in the book. So then it becomes a challenge because you don't have those to rely on to help. You know, you don't have an actor's vocal inflection um, to help convey, you know, how, what they're feeling about the line that they're saying, about the dialogue that's happening. So it's, um, it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. So well, one of my favorite things, because I read through your whole Batgirl run. Yay! Uh, yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it. Was how well that it, your internal thought or those caption bubbles you were talking about flowed with the expositional dialogue, uh, especially with Stephanie and Barbara and kind of what they were going through other emotions and is there going to be those internal thought captions in the smallville season 11 comics because i know that again we didn't have it on the show are are you kind of shying away with, with that for the comics because you're yeah they're, it's gonna be they're not gonna have they're not gonna have it yeah just okay. it's it's like like we had just talked about it was it was something that you know aside from Echo. Um, not really something that that we did. <laughs> so since so I'm since I'm trying to stay as true to the show as possible, um, yeah, we're not doing that. Echo issue okay. two. <laughs> well, echo <laughs> echo with uh with two C's in it. Yeah. Well, I kind of thought it'd be cool to get some of that uh, internal thought because you do. I thought you wrote it really well with the Batgirl comics. So I if it had like... been 
if it had been like a novel, like the uh, like the bleeding cool rumor suggested, yeah. um, I think you can't get away with doing it without doing that. Okay. Um, and then I think it gives you a little more license and liberty to to kind of get into a lot of not not necessarily the tedium of internal thought, but you can get more into just opinions on things, and it's you know easier to get into you know events of the past and stuff like that. Um, and we don't really have kind of pages to burn on that in this one, so so it definitely I don't think it I don't think it hurts us to not have it. Okay. Well, speaking of setup, was uh. We have to ask this too. Was the episode "Prophecy," which you co-wrote with Ann Saunders, mm-hmm. was the, was what happened in the episode toward the end with Kara going to the future to join the Legion, Clark's speech to Toy Man, and of course the introduction of the Legion of Doom, if you will, which along with awesome. other yes, <laughs> along with other small things. Was this all in preparation for season eleven? Did you know it was going to happen, or were you just taking a risk there? Uh, at that point, it was it was literally just leaving some things dangling just to kind of, you know, for that sense of Clark's adventure will continue beyond. We hadn't, while the show was still in production, mm-hmm. there was, there was no green light on, on this comic book happening. So, okay. so that, that was just us kind of just laying some Superman pipe, but not, um, not really, you know, doing it with, with any specific intent beyond, you know, tantalizing. Well, it was, it was a cool way to tantalize us. No kidding. Are we Skinny Grundy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he might be bigger in the comic. You never know. <laughs> well, I know you scared Michael pretty good with Black Manta. Yeah, oh, my Lanta. <laughs> I saw Black Manta. I was, like, on the floor between him and Captain Cold, which, by the way, Dan, Captain Cold proves my par- theory about Bart really being Barry Allen, but we won't go there. Oh, yes. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be a part of season eleven, Michael. I don't know, but that's my theory. Bart is really Smallville's Barry Allen. Um, I don't. I don't know that that uh, that he's actually Barry Allen, but I would be surprised if, with all of the room for season eleven to happen, if Bart didn't show back up at some point. To be honest, it makes sense because if you think about Clark's journey as Superman, he became the Blur before he became Superman. So why couldn't Bart be Impulse before Flash? And plus, it's Captain Cold. I mean. That's Barry's bad guy. Just saying. My theory. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, so. yeah. Well, we... What? Did you have something you wanted to say to that, Brian, at all? Like it, um, not really. Okay. <laughs> all right, that's fine. Uh, well, again, Michael and I have about a million ideas of what happened after finale. And my co-host kind of wanted me to ask this question. Kind of, what? how did you go about narrowing ideas for season 11 and did you talk to either like Tom Welling or Brian or Kelly or any of the other writers about ideas or even artwork because I know I don't know how much you know about this but um, Sarah Michelle Geller, I guess had very strict guidelines on how she was drawn when uh, Joss Whedon continued the Buffy series oh really yeah and I was wondering if you or your artist ran into any of these types of things or issues or complications with drawing or getting approval on storylines and or images? I mean, storyline-wise, it's kind of just been, it's just kind of been on, you know, what what I wanted to do and what the what editorial's been cool with, um, which has been a lot, actually, frankly, um, so far. And then, um, you know, as far as, like, what you said about Sarah and um, Sarah Michelle and, and Buffy, um, I you know, with, with everybody, I think there's probably some, some legal clearance likeness things that naturally come into play 
um, when your when your likeness is used in another place. But um, they're really, from my side of things at least, there hasn't been you know much interaction or consultation with um, with those folks. Mm. Cool. So it's like you kind of got to take the the boss's project a little bit and take it in your own direction. It's yeah. It's more of a, a custodianship. I see cool. it as. Um, and just kind of, you know, keeping, I mean, that's the thing too, like I've seen some things online where, where folks are, you know, excited because, you know, maybe now finally we can, we can get all, you know, the, the mistakes fixed and the, but it's like, that's not, that's not what this is about. Like literally it's, I'm not going back in, like so many people spent so much time, you know, a decade of their lives, like literally not just like the writer's room, but like crew and whatever. It's like hundreds of people for a decade made this show. And, you know, I certainly, don't want to do anything to you know for better or worse because you know that we all have things that we think did or didn't work um Mm. i'd rather just avoid a topic versus go in and try and do it right you know quotation marks right or fix it um because that certainly devalues i think the hard work everybody put into the whole thing Mm. so you're not going to go and uh, make uh chloe sullivan and the lois lane any of those types of things. Uh, no, don't even no, bring that up. No. We're going to get that's so what, hate. That's what a little episode called Hex was all about. Right, so. exactly. Which was just, that was a very, very okay. well, a, a great way to handle that whole situation. Thank that you. Episode. Thank I have you. to give you props for that. Because it was a very fun way to handle that without rubbing anybody the wrong way. Yeah, so I mean, people still got that. rubbed the wrong way, but, you know, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. There's no way. Yeah, people are always going to get rubbed the wrong way about exactly. all kinds of things, and you can't you can't worry too much about that. Well, you can't please everybody. There's going to be no. a majority who likes it and a majority who doesn't. I mean, that's just how it's going to be, regardless. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing with online stuff too. Like, and I, I love interacting with fans online, and mm-hmm. you know, looking at message boards and stuff. But it's also one of those things where uh, I think it's the the plain the the nature of of that medium online with the message board culture is that you only go online. And post if you really, really love something or really, really hate something. Absolutely. Like if you're totally neutral, you might go look. But it's it's like me. Like literally, God, I don't know that I've posted anything on a forum, like even with an opinion about anything, for like God, like like eight or nine years. Like it's been a really long. It takes a lot for me to even want to do that because mm-hmm. I just. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. So I certainly, you know, I see flame wars happen all over the place. And comicbookmovie.com. I'm so not interested in any of that drama. Absolutely. Right. Well, especially because with your with your writing and stuff, you know, you, you if you look at that stuff, you know, you don't want to be second guessing yourself or anything like that. You just kind of want to do your work and not get paranoid with that kind of stuff. Well, and the flip side of it too, it's it's really hard because. Um, a lot of especially especially like when you're freelancing or when you're writing a comic book at home yeah. uh, or even when you're in a writer's room like you're kind of in a submarine like it's just you're yeah. you're there and you know you're shooting the missiles out and you can see confirmed hits like on the radar but you can't hear the screams mm-hmm. so it's yeah. or the cheers so it, it it's certainly sometimes a handy tool just for kind of with that polarized love hate culture of getting kind of the the temperature you know just finding out what the barometer says about how something you know is being perceived or what people are excited about something um, but you can't live and die by it mm-hmm. well like uh, like on that note like did D- dc give you limitations as to who you can bring into season 11 like batman green lantern wonder woman 
or doing things like Death of Superman, Return of Zodnon and Ursa, stuff like that? Um, we're not, I mean, we're, we're in, we're in quite a bit, but we're not in super far yet. So, I mean, okay. it's, I think what's, what's handy, the short answer is no. Um, there hasn't really been much, no, you can't. Uh-huh. Um, so far, there's just been kind of, you know, let's just be careful that we don't, um, I think a good example is the um, is the to not get too far off topic, but the the costume at least like for for Clark had to at least somewhat. I think the S had to be um, the S on his chest had to be the same S that is the S on Superman over on the other side of the fence right now over in the in the new DC 52. In, in the new fifty two yeah. right. Yeah. So there were there were certain things every now and then kind of that creep in to mm-hmm. where you know you don't want superman to look not like superman as other people perceive it right um but but aside from like little things like that i mean it's kind of its own entity so you know and especially because i've already got you know a big enough cast of at least it's an ensemble book so it's at least right. five characters in there you know and a couple more that i don't want to give away who are yeah. recurring characters in the book um you know you don't really We'll see folks from you know elsewhere in the in the DCU, um, you know the not necessarily the New Fifty Two, but you know the the DC universe as Smallville sees it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll definitely have some more folks come in and out. Um, but aside from you know guest appearances, we're trying to keep the action and the plot and everything revolving around our our core group as much as possible. So then, so then we could essentially see bit, like people like Dan Turpin, Cat Grant, Bobo Babowski, stuff like that, like Metropolis people. Yeah, what yeah, absolutely. Like and Jeff and the intern. There yeah, no, yes, who is who is specific to the show. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Jeff Jeff will be around and um nice. uh Danny Turpin, um, as we saw him on the show and Maggie right. Sawyer um have a couple scenes in the second episode. Um very cool. And um like Frank the newsstand guy that mm-hmm. runs the newsstand, nice. um that Ann Warrior gave gave Chloe the coffees at the beginning of the, or sacrifice at the beginning of the show. Um so so those kind of folks still, you know, mm-hmm. will they're a part of that that family of characters, so they definitely are tools that are very very easy to use. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, no, go ahead, Dan. But I was I was just gonna say, um, is is Cat Grant one of those people as well? Because I know she was brought in in season ten. Are we gonna get more um, involvement with her? I'm not, and honestly, like I haven't felt the need to use her yet. Okay. Oh, so, um, <laughs> so there definitely, there definitely, you know, could be a point, but as of right now, um, I don't, I don't see there being okay. a need for a need for Cat. I'm sorry, I like the character, but sometimes she can just, <laughs> and I think that was the intention, but yeah. So I, I just want Clark and Lois. I'm good with that. Exactly. And and there's there's loads there's loads. And I mean, and again, right. it's it's one of those things where you can't. You know, it's it is an ensemble, so definitely, you know, you want to give, you want to a, you want to give Clark slash Superman as much, you know, time as possible, um, on the on the page, but also, you know, you want to give everybody else equal time too, and all the relationships and the, you know, mm-hmm. Clark and Lois and Clolly and and all of those things, you want to definitely service it, but there are certain, depending on the needs of the story at hand, you may have. You know more or less of any given element, but it's it's trying you know definitely uh, a conscious effort to keep as much Clark in there as possible because mm-hmm. you know every, every now and then we know oh, this is a Chloe episode or this is this is right. a, uh, you know a Lois episode. It's uh, definitely uh, Clark front and center. Okay, but we do definitely love our Chloe uh, on our podcast. We that's one of our sure. favorite characters as well. So Chloe fest. Yes, we did a, actually a whole podcast live show dedicated 
the character of Chloe Solomon. Which <laughs> <laughs> becomes Chloe Fest. Nice. Um, she just got Allison. Just got um, um, a recurring she got a role Wilfred. on Wilfred. Yeah, yeah. I yes. saw that. I saw that online today. Yeah. Very so happy for, for her. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. For her. Yes. We definitely enjoyed her on Smallville, and she's a great actress. So, da- so Dan and I are like, obviously, as you can tell, hardcore like Superman and DC Comics fans. <laughs> As well as like Christopher Reeve and Richard Donner and stuff like that. So like on that note, like how is this Superman and Smallville different than let's say the current New Fifty Two Superman that we see in the current comics in action or in Superman? Um, I think I mean it's not to not to be like obnoxious or taglining with it, but it's it's in the title. I mean it's 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 Smallville, so it's definitely it's it's a Superman book that is kind of feeding off of 10 years of a show's continuity and character histories. Um, you know, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's, it's, it's the Smallville comic book. So, so it's certainly a Superman book, but it's at its heart, it's still got that Smallville sensibility and um, kind of that ensemble approach um, to, to the storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm assuming we're going to have, you know, internal conflicts kind of going on with Clark, maybe still a little bit more of him, maybe making mistakes, maybe not being so unsure of himself. I know probably some of the angst is going to be out of the show with him being more of an adult now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons. There's tons less angst. I mean, okay, right. but also, also it's not, I mean, like you said, I don't know that it'll be what you would call like mistakes, but there could okay. be certainly bad mis- bad decisions made. Or I mean, if okay. you think about it, it's only what, what we're doing with the book is that it's at the end of the finale we had that seven year time jump to right. to Chloe reading the reading the the comic book, um, and um, then right, you know before that was Clark pushing Apocalypse out of orbit and being Superman for the first time. Mm-hmm. So this is six months after Apocalypse was pushed out of orbit. So when you look at the things that he's doing as Superman, um, if you think about it, it's only six months after season 10. So, you know, how many people did he lose his temper with and dangle off of roofs, um, you know, throughout the course of seasons nine and 10. Um, so it's certainly, it's not ignoring that that happened and he could certainly have to catch himself because he's trying to not be, because being Superman means something else. Right. Um, to him and to everyone, than than the blur was, mm-hmm. um, than the blur meant. So, so certainly, you know, Lois can give him a hard time about, oh, you didn't dangle another guy off of a building, did you, sweetie? Because that's what the blur did. That's not yeah. what Superman does. He's like, I know, I know. I mean, it's okay. It's 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 definitely we're still living in that reality where it was just six months ago that he that he still had some issues he was grappling with. But you know, the other side of that is that since he has essentially. You know, put on the tights and quotation marks come out as Superman. Um, he can stay behind and he can, you know, give people, you know, words of encouragement or you know, advice. You know, it's the not necessarily the safest way to travel. It's he can stay behind and shake hands and and talk to people um, that he's saved or helped versus having to run away. So that's certainly going to have a much more. Uh, of a positive effect on on how he does his heroing and what he does with his heroing because it's you know he, it's a different he, he got promoted mm-hmm. basically and there's a different set of responsibilities that come with that too so he's seen as someone that he's a very public figure now he's someone that inspires people um, not not unlike like a politician almost just in that you know, the world is watching there is this man who can fly 
um, who who will stay and, you know, after he rescues the cat from the tree, will, you know, pose for a Polaroid with a little girl. I mean, it's 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 a different world for Clark, um, and I think I think he knows that. So it's certainly um, – there's certainly an element of, of both elation and frustration that can come with that that he's got to get used to. Well, but, yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, unlike the blur, which, I mean, was just kind of like a silent guardian, like kind of like Batman sort of is – Superman is supposed to inspire people, and he's supposed to be there for people, and truth, justice, American way, you know, all that. So that's right. kind of how he's supposed to be. And that's what that's what he's he's doing his best to to kind of you know pay forward to everyone as he does what he does. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming that also at certain times creates complications for him as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. It's it's definitely um, you know we spent a lot of time in season ten. Um, kind of dealing with, and I think rightly so, because it had to happen at some point, him, you know, working on the glasses identity and kind of, you know, forsaking, you know, the, what, what the name of Clark Kent had accrued um, in cool points with everyone um, for <laughs> kind of the bigger picture. So should we go on to the next question? Yeah. I, I, the real one last thing I wanted just to put on that thing with Clark is one thing I love about Smallville is how you know it shows that Superman or Clark isn't perfect. And right. I think a lot of the things you said seems to you're going to do with season ten seems to be working that way. Well, yeah, and he's certainly he's not. It's it's more you know it's less about you know him being and more like he's he's alien he's still human so it's it's more i mean something that that i tried to do as much as i could with with the batgirl book and like with my episodes of the show is just writing everyone as people and just trying to have them have at least remotely natural reactions to the situations that they're in um so so that's definitely something that you know there's the first scene and god i want to say week two is kind of a catching up scene and uh you know clark's brushing his teeth so it's it's just yes. finding finding those moments for to let everyone be real people, um, you know. Somewhere during the course of it is also something that that I'm trying to get get taken care of. Does that include like mourning Tessa's death as well? Uh, Tessa's death is something that is um, definitely not you know it's not under the rug. That's something that everyone is very um, is very aware of. Okay. Because okay. I know that was one of the we loved finale, but I know that was one of the biggest criticisms of finale was people really need we didn't really get to see all the characters react to Tessa's death or Clark really realized the sacrifice that she made yeah I mean it's 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 tricky and not enough from a writing standpoint but just from all of our character standpoints in that you know you've got a Lex who you know is swearing up and down that he doesn't have memory of his prior life you know, and then everyone kind of knows Lex killed Tess, but then you can only go after him so much about it without revealing how close you know a given character was to Tess. And then you know you don't want to, you certainly don't want Lex to start digging as right. to you know why. Well, why are you so concerned about Tess? How are you connected to Tess? So it's it's a very tricky situation for everyone, but it's not something that we're pretending didn't happen. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like when Lionel was killed back in season seven. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's it's it's similar but it, because Tess was kind of especially in season 10 a part of so many characters lives. Right. Um it's uh I think everyone has to kind of as much as they want to go at him they have to they have to tap dance a little bit. Mhm. Well, she was she kind of became an important part of the Justice League too, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, Michael, I know you've got some questions about Lex now that we've brought up tests. I don't know how much you can answer for us, Brian, but Michael, you... Yeah, uh, no problem. Uh, Lex is kind of in a weird place this season, obviously, without memory of his prior life, or at least so he claims. Uh, so what does he... Like, can you answer, like, what does he remember and what he doesn't? Or, like, is there anything, like, fragments or something like that? Um, he still knows how to use the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> all, of, all of those things are still intact. Um, but it's, uh, you know, he's... Uh, basically, he's just, you know, he uh, woke up in control of an empire. Um, and certainly still has his, his instincts... And his wits about him, but not necessarily his memory. So even though he doesn't remember, you know, why he came to hate, you know, Clark slash the Blur, mm -hmm. he sees that S on Superman's chest and knows there's something about him that we're not, you know, we're not safe um, in his in his eyes um, yeah. with with Superman around. So it's so instinct is still kind of intact, but not necessarily information. So is he? trying like in three and four and stuff like that is he trying like at summer hall institutions and stuff like that to get his memory back like does he is he like hell-bent on finding out what he was before or or is there a menacing superman -y lex luther um that would certainly be interesting for him to do that um it's, oh thoughts <laughs> it's um there's i think there's little piece i mean it's I, and it's hard. It's very hard. I was talking to somebody about it at WonderCon over the weekend because there's a lot I want to talk about, but because of the weird staggering of the digital weeks mm -hmm. versus when the print solicits come out, mm -hmm. um, because there's going to be a point with the staggering where, and here's another incentive to, not that you shouldn't buy the print, but just <laughs> to get on board with the digital, is that there's going to be a point where episode two, like the second 120 pages, okay. will have almost finished by the time the print issues for the season premiere are out or are done. Okay. So it's, it's one of those things where, where, you know, there's tons I want to talk about, but there's this weird delay between mm -hmm. knowledge going out about things that happen in the digital versus the print. Um, so, so it's tricky. It's very tricky. Absolutely. But, well, I, but I personally, those are valid. Those are valid thoughts and desires for actions from Lex, but there's mm -hmm. not much more I can say about it than that. Well, one last thing. Can you still quote art of war? Um, he can. I've been trying not to rely on on Luthor um, literature crutch quotes <laughs> too much. So um, we even there's a whole big run where Chloe doesn't really talk in metaphor for a while either. That I'm, that I'm oh. pretty proud of. So wow. Um, so it's looking uh, forward to that. But it's still it's still a lot of it's a lot of fun. And Lex's, you know, I didn't really have an opportunity to write for him on the show. So it's only. Um, it's certainly fun to write for someone of his kind of stature and power in the um, in the comic. Well, he's not he's not unlike Zod was in season nine. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so. they, they definitely Zod. I think went a little more to a theatrical place. Oh, absolutely. Um, which was what was great about having Callum do Zod, mm. but um, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Well, is is Clark Kent even really on Lex's radar anymore? Because uh, there's such That's a difference. A, there's a there's a very fun scene about that in the first thirty pages. So okay, I would Good. Wait, wait to read it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that scene because I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to all of it. Well, <laughs> me too. But I I really enjoyed Michael Rosenbaum 
on the show and his interactions with Tom Welling were just outstanding on the show. I mean, some of those scenes that they had together, especially where they kind of went at it, were some of the best of the series, in my opinion. So oh, yeah, no, they great chemistry. They had great chemistry. And you didn't get an opportunity to play with that stuff, so it's going to be fun to see how you address all of it, especially with Luther being as fun as that was and how much that dove into the Luther psyche. Well, and there's a different there's a different dynamic too because even if you don't have lots of Clark like scenes, that doesn't necessarily mean you won't have lots of Superman like Luthor scenes, right? Mm-hmm. So, which which are a different level of scene to write, which is very fun because you also have kind of you have Lex who doesn't have his memory, but Clark knows exactly what their history is. So it's it's kind of a fun you know shift in in the power dynamic between Superman and Lex. Well, to be honest, he's, he's got something on Lex that he can't ever tell him because that would jeopardize his secret. So it's 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 interesting. Yeah. It, well, does, I'm, it, I was going to say, does Lex remember Lionel at all, or killing him, or any of that? All he remembers is stuff he can read about in the newspaper, or pictures, or paintings, or okay. you know, that's that's the only access he has to things. But he still has the Veritas journals, correct? Um. Because aren't they in the Luther office? Because Earth 2 Lionel read those as well. Earth 2 Lionel had those over in his office, but all the Veritas stuff when Lionel died um, over on our side, over on Earth 1... Probably went to Tess. I think they, yeah, they had all they had all gone to Tess because that's how Tess wound up with the orb and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, she was reading to Davis from the Veritas journal. Correct. um, In uh, in Eternal. Um, that journal that Swan must have dictated to someone how to sketch it since he was in it. Good sketches his, his transcriber did, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I I don't know that they're necessarily in play for, um, for, for Lex. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Dan, do you want to do the next one? Yeah, well, we were, again, as we said, we're big Chloe fans, we're big Oliver fans, kind of fans. Um, what direction are, there go- are they going this season, or can you give us a little hint on what their story arc is going to be about, or maybe a theme? Um, I honestly can't really say a thing concretely okay. about their thing, because that would give away, they're kind of, what I can say is that by the time you get to the end of the first episode that the first 12 weeks um they're kind of the in for the larger mythology for the season okay um that's kind of the thread they wind up on during the premiere um so i certainly don't want to give that away because literally it's not something we answer until like the last two weeks okay um just like we would do in a normal season premiere where you don't, you know, Brainiac doesn't right. ooze out of the ship in the first five minutes he does it in the last act so mm-hmm. um but they you know they're married um, they got married back in Fortune during some right. drunken revelry, and um, you know because of the impending end of the world and Clark and Lois's wedding that didn't happen and everything, they haven't really had much of a chance to be a married couple. So they're definitely eager to kind of move to Star City and start their lives together, start their life together, and um, you know things just keep happening to suck them back in. So so they definitely you know. Superman's watching over Metropolis now. Green Arrow isn't as needed as before. Um, so they're ready to move on, but there's a certain reason that comes up that um, they can't. There's a much larger problem they have to help address. Will they still be a part of the Justice League, though? 
Uh, in whatever form that the league is, yeah. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're certainly not, you know, I think a full-on justice type thing won't happen until, you know, towards the end of the season. Okay. Because uh, I think there's probably some new characters we can meet throughout that we would add to the roster. But, I don't know what you're talking about. Cyborg, Michael. Oh, no. Cyborg in a bat suit. God. The little things pop out of the top of his head, um, but uh, but yeah. So we'll get to, we'll get to some Justice Leaguey stuff. But I think um, we want to let we want to let some 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 smaller character stuff breathe first. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot to address with the Maid Clark storyline that I think is probably more pressing to answer at the beginning than some of that Justice League stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No. There's definitely. It's. It's much more like even though there would be a Justice League component at some point, um, it's more Superman Year One story, right. than than anything else, which it should be. Well, right, because we had that ten year origin, so now we're ready for <laughs> Superman. Right. There it is. The first year on the job. So off of um, off of your Lex Luthor question, and no, this isn't another Lex question, but in um Homecoming. In the future sequence in 2017, you hear that the Kents still own the Kent farm, or at least that's how Lois makes it sound. So in season 11, will we still see the Kent farm? Will it still be a part of Clark's life? Will Martha be on it, maybe? I mean, um, I think we'll, we'll get to a Martha place, certainly not, not at the top, mm-hmm. um, if for no other reason than to explain where Shelby is. But... Um, <laughs> But um, but it's it's much more focused. Even though you know, oh, how can you call it Smallville if it all happens in Metropolis? It's like because that's the name of the brand. So, <laughs> um, but it um, it definitely much more um, is focused on Clark and Lois, you know, and the gang, kind of you know, mid twenties in the city, mm-hmm. um, trying to figure things out. So it's you know, Clark and Lois. They've got that apartment that they moved into. They're still going to have it. Um, you know, and they're, um, you know, with, you know, the the presents from the wedding, trying to figure out what to do with them since they're technically not canceling the wedding, but they don't know when they're having it, you know. So it's yeah. um, it's much more of that kind of um, kind of city life vibe for them for that, that next phase in their lives. So they didn't end up selling the farm? Um, I haven't really answered that question yet. Because, so. because what I'm saying, I mean, homecoming sounds like they still have it. Well, homecoming, uh, not to nitpick with homecoming, but it's also just an a possible future. And so okay. one can certainly get into the fact that since he's seen the future and then come back, that all of his decisions then could possibly ripple and change all of that. Okay. Um, so I think that's kind of the the official response um, right. for the home for the homecoming question. Okay. Cool. Like, and and off of that, like. If if that ever happens, like, would you ever have future plans to include Connor Kent as Superboy, or maybe a return of Pete Ross or Lana Lang at some point, or are you just strictly focusing for right now on Clark? Um, I'd say like there's an there's an even chance to see, um, if not all of those folks, most of those folks, mm-hmm. cool. um, but in a in kind of a story dictated capacity. I think I don't oh. want to spoil anything. For one of those three people, I definitely have a story planned. Connor. <laughs> that's my opinion I I, uh, yeah. I think it would be nice to see Pete because I felt he was somewhat underused 
in his season, I think it was, was it seven appearance? Seven. Yeah. Uh, at the Stride Gum Factory, Sticky yes. Pete. <laughs> yes. yes. And, and I know there was a lot of drama going on, because I know that was around the time of the writer's strike, and probably things got cut out and didn't make the table, and it's always tricky with time, but I hope definitely we get a chance with season 11 to get maybe some of that that stuff with their, you know, Clark's, Clark and his friendship being broken up, but some of that stuff kind of addressed, because that would just be really fun to see. Yeah. Uh, it's it's certainly it's certainly possible, but I wouldn't want to reveal which person I have a story plan for just yet. Okay. Can you reveal which one you don't? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're nice. not getting me that way. Then can you reveal <laughs> someone else you don't? <laughs> well, it's, hey, it's worth a shot, you know. And and another shot in the dark here with you is we did read, Mike. I forget what site the information came from. But, uh, we okay, Krypton site said some stuff about you bringing in Hank Henshaw. Yeah, no, that's official. It's in the official right. uh, description for issue number two. Yep. Can, can you kind of let us in maybe a little bit on why you picked that character or wanted to go with him for the opening story? Um, I mean, honestly, it was um, someone that I know comic book people would respond to name-wise. Okay. Um, but also he's someone who's kind of just part of the Superman universe that we didn't really have a chance to get to on the show. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and it's it's certainly the the Smallville version of, you know, Hank Henshaw and that story. So it's, you know, it's not, it's not specifically like, Oh, it's Clark. That means Clark's going to die. And then (laughs) four people are going to show up. No, it's, you know, Hank is, Hank is a former astronaut and it's kind of a a mild commentary on the state of, you know, the space program right now and how there's no funding. And there are a bunch of displaced people who have been to the stars and all that stuff. So we now have two supermen. (laughs) So it's not yeah. going to be anything like he went into space and he got hit with a meteor shower while he's in space. Uh, there's a meteor that, shower in the description. There, there's something yeah. that happens in space uh, during the course of Guardian. That's the inciting incident for okay. everything. But I, I won't say if or how that's connected to any of it. Interesting, interesting. But you'll see, you'll see, you'll see space in the first ten pages. Okay. Awesome. And that's how we ended. So why not? Right. And this, this Clark, his power set, allows him to fly in outer space? Yes. Okay. Or at least at least I've only taken him as far as, like, upper orbit. So right. I don't, you know, whether or not he can maneuver in deep space is yet to be. I don't know if I'm going to, if we're going to Superman the animated series with him and make him get a rocket. I don't think we will. Because cool. yeah. um, Kara did it. Kara did it in... Um... Oh right. yeah, she flew seven. all the way. Right. She flew yeah. all the way to some warp thing that her bracelet did. Yeah, her and Brainiac. So yeah. I assume Clark could be able to do that too. I guess. Yeah, he sh- he should he should be able to. It's just we we haven't gone that far into into the space yet. Actually, mm-hmm. Kara broke the boundary between space and time because then they end up going back in time. Yeah, they went to Krypton. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. it was to Krypton minutes before it exploded. Right. Another they became the new Jor El and Lara. And then, and then Clark saved himself from the ship. And like, yeah, we won't. We put himself. We won't get into all of that stuff. That's not what really happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Dan, did you have anything uh, more before this? Well, the last thing we want to wrap it up. I mean, obviously, Smallville season eleven is obviously geared to the Smallville audience. 
and you know it's it's for them but is this also are did you try it all to make it a comic that anyone can jump into or did you mainly go for the smallville audience um i mean it's it's certainly there's certain pieces of shorthand that you know i'm using that hopefully it, it's a challenge because you don't right. want people who have watched the show to then come to and go, well, I know what that means. Well, I know what that, like you don't want to turn people off by over explaining things they've known for 10 years. Um, but at the same time, you also don't want to under explain things. Um, so hopefully there's enough explanation on things um, kind of as we go, but the, you know, there's certain things like, you know, there's not really an you know, explanation as to who Chloe Sullivan is. Cause it's, right. You know, it's uh, then then you're rehashing ten years of show um, when you kind of just want to jump into the action. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm trying to balance it. it. It sometimes may succeed and sometimes may not. But that's also why it's helpful to have Lois's voice in there because when something's going on that she thinks is bunk, she's going to say something about it. So right. it it gives you a very easy opportunity to um, to explain things. Plus, I appreciate the times that you might go back and explain things at certain points when it makes sense because it's nice having those reminders because again we you know we've had 10 years worth of show and there might be something from some point you know that might get brought back from season 3 or season 2 way back there that I might have not necessarily remembered so, right right i mean and there's uh, i'm trying to go without as much of that as possible but the right. other thing we do get to do um that's that's a bonus um, is because it is a comic, if you're referring to past events, we can kind of have flashback panels to those events when they happened. So Editor's note, see season three, episode five. It kind of, I mean, you can, you can kind of, you can do that a little bit, whereas you can't really do that on the show. So there are certainly some kind of, um, there are some flashback um, elements as needed to at least, if not physically explain what happened, to visually explain kind of what we're talking about. Now, are we going to get any flashbacks? That are going to show something from a different perspective, because I know there was some of the stuff with Doomsday where we saw, you know, Clark's arrival from a different perspective. Uh, um, there, there's a story coming up that might um, deal with uh, a, uh, a take on on what you're talking about. So, so if if not necessarily, uh, there might be a different perspective on some events, um, but not. Um, it wouldn't be like a continuous, you know, device that we use. It would just be for one story. Very cool. Yeah. Well, uh, can we, can we also ask you now about uh, your DC Comics run? Like, Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want me to say it, Dan? Well, I was just gonna say, you know, we love, we really enjoyed reading the Batgirl comics. Um, it was unfortunate that that had to stop. Again, I know DC wanted to go in a different direction, which is cool, and those types of things happen in the business. But we did want to ask you a few questions about it because we did enjoy it. Oh, sure. No, by, by all right. means, I do. Um, I miss it. I miss it greatly. So, Well, and I, and I definitely am trying to tell our listeners as well to go check it out because it's really enjoyable. So I'm trying to kind of promote your work on this too because we really enjoyed it. Thank you. No, it's all um, – the whole run is on um, – it's on Comixology and it's on the right. DC app. So it's definitely available digitally, which is good because the second trade, um, the flood, is very hard to find. Okay. So it's at uh, my comic store, and I almost bought it the other day. I just didn't have enough, near, fortunately. But 
I would say if you you know if you're if you're holding out, get it because it's it's one of those that you know for whatever reason is just in um, in short supply. I had to get my my shop. I needed some for um, for um, for a fundraiser thing, and they they had to order it straight from Diamond. Like you couldn't get it from wow. um, from Amazon and stuff. Wow, interesting. Well, because well, well, yeah. Well, because of your just great Batgirl run, many Smallville fans. And other fans of your work kind of jumped into the comics. And we kind of first wanted to ask, how did you approach the whole dynamic of the relationship between Stephanie Brown and Barbara Gordon? Because we hadn't really seen a relationship between them until your comic. And how did you kind of approach things with the Batgirls of present and past? Um, I mean, at first, they were both in, you know, highly contentious personal places. Right. Um, just Barbara had been coming off of the Cure miniseries, wherein uh, lots of kind of computer people died because someone was out to get her. So she was in a very bad place. Um, and I think they, right before that, she had dissolved Birds of Prey. So she was in um, a very pouty, self-hating um, kind of place. So then she's at that point, and then you have you know Steph, who is still kind of in thrill seeker mode in autopilot pretending in, in in Babs's eyes and kind of in in Steph's eyes too at that point pretending to be Batgirl um, isn't going to sit well with someone who's kind of you know Babs at that time is kind of pissed off with herself when and she then she takes sees it out this, on a lot of people in that she first does. story arc yes she does um, so so that was kind of you know two two people who need each other to kind of get better um who can who can learn a lot from each other? Not just one way of Barbara mentoring Steph, but Steph kind of getting Barbara to chill the hell out. Yeah, <laughs> was um, was a big part of of that dynamic. And then you know eventually, because we kind of shook the funk by uh, by issue four, and then kind of rolling into a, a Lorelai uh, and Rory place, yeah. a Gilmore place with the two of them. So, which was a lot of fun as well. I miss it. It was. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to write. Well, and I enjoy just the lighthearted humor because sometimes those bat books can be so dark and brooding, especially with a lot of the stuff you know Grant Morrison was doing with Batman Rip, which kind of got mm. violent and bloody at some points and stuff. It was nice to have this breath of fresh air with all of that. Well, and I, I wasn't particularly like trying to that noise is me cleaning a stain on the floor because one of my dogs just got sick. Um, but she's no, she's fine. She's chilling out now. I think she just ate too fast. Um, but oh God, what was I saying? Um, it wasn't really the intent at first to do, you know, what, what one would call like a light book. I was just trying to write a book honest to Stephanie's point of view. Um, and then I met at a uh, God WonderCon that year in San Francisco like and it was my first signing ever, so I had no expectations whatsoever. So and I mean, I still really, if anybody comes up to say, "Hey, good job," I'm like, "Awesome, thank you." Yeah. Um, but there was a like a little like a ten year old girl that came up. And she was like, "Do you write the bad girl that that's that's out right now?" And I was like, "Yes." She was like, "Oh, cool, thanks." And that was it. So then I'm like, this little ten year old girl is reading my book, and she can't be the only one. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Well, and that's that's really uh, cool when I little girl like that comes up to you and you've kind of figured, okay, well, I'm writing a cool, strong female role model 
for her. Then. Right. So then, so then suddenly it's like, okay, well, now that I and at the same time, I think that was right when um, like the arc had already come in for like the flood arc, and so there's like a grisly like suicide memory that calculator has. So then I'm like, oh god, now this little girl's gonna go read that <laughs> issue. Um, so then like I email my editor and I'm like, is there any way we could at least like do some Photoshop blur or something on that panel? And he's like, no, it's what's done is done at this point. Um, but, uh, well, it's a good thing you were at least thinking of your fans, you know, that's well, all. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing like with comics too. And I know a lot of people just from the, from the artiste standpoint, just want to write what they're going to write because they want to write it. Mm-hmm. But like at the same time, like you're providing a product for a consumer. So you kind of, mm-hmm. you know, you want you want the consumer to, you know, like what they're buying so that they will buy more. Yeah. So it's um so it's uh it was a it was a challenge, but it was I didn't mind like trying to keep it not necessarily, I guess I, there's a there's a negative connotation on all ages. Um to where I think people see and read all ages and think for kids. And there's a lot of stuff right now that says it's all ages mm-hmm. that is like squarely aimed at kids. So it's right. this weird, like if you look at the, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. Like if you look at the first, like episode four, like the first star Wars, if you're a 10 year old kid who's watching it, you can enjoy it on on you know in one way, and then if you're a thirty year old who's watching it, you can enjoy it another way. Yeah. And it neither speaks up to or down to anyone who's watching it. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that is the perfect definition of what you know all ages should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's kind of, especially after I met that little girl, what my goal was with the book to where you know nothing I put in that book, if I didn't feel comfortable with that little girl reading it. Then I didn't want to put it in it. Okay. Well, and, and it seems like a lot of DC's big material that they're coming out with right now is doing that. You know, the Green Lantern show, as well as the Young Justice show that's out right now, they seem to be kind of following your rule of thumb with this 10 year old girl can watch this show, but there's still stuff for the adults and the older reader to be interested in. Right. I mean, and then it's it creates this weird expectation, too, because I know there was some, like, online reaction to, um, like, the, the the preview footage of the, uh, the new Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. To where, like, it's, I think, squarely aimed at, you know, kids yeah. to watch. I um, mean, you know, there were adults, you know, bemoaning it online. It's like, well, it's, it's not for you. Like, it's, <laughs> it's this weird not everything has to be for everyone. Yeah. There's, you know, certain certain audiences for certain things. It's just great when you can work it out and have, you know, kind of a, an omni audience. Well, that's, that's everybody. And DC Nation kind of takes that approach too with their DC Nation shorts. I mean, of course, like the DC demonstrations with the Batarang and the Boxing Glove Arrow. I mean, those are aimed for everyone. I mean, everyone can enjoy that. But if you look at something like the claymation videos or maybe something like super best friends forever. You think this is more towards kids. Well, and I think it's okay to, it's okay to have that too, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of kind of things going on in the comics, I don't know how much you can respond to this one. um, Cause this might be, you might have a little hard feelings here, but you know, when DC launched the new 52, were you kind of bummed that Barbara was replacing Stephanie 
especially of course. Kind of with the entire dynamic and the whole thing with I know Oracle was a real big role model for people with disabilities that I know they were having difficulty with her being okay again because it kind of took away from that I mean kind of what's your take on the whole thing I mean it's it's a sticky wicket so there's not yeah. there's certainly not not too much I can say about it I mean I right. I understand um, why that decision was made yeah um, it certainly bums me out you know about Steph not being Batgirl anymore because it kind of just invalidates, you know, the work that I did over two years and like what everybody read. But at the same time, it's you know it's 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 toys in a sandbox, and you right. know they they own the toys. So <laughs> if that's if that's something they want to do, and you know what, sales are like twice what they were. Exactly. So it's from a financial perspective, I get it. It makes it kind of makes me sad that Steph isn't around at all anymore. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess that's about all I could say. Well, I, I, if it makes you feel better, to me, it's the pre-Flashpoint universe that still exists in my mind, so she's still Batgirl in my mind. Well, I mean, and that's the beautiful thing just about the medium and what we do. Like, you can still, you can still go to your comic book shop and buy that second trade Yep. if you want to read a Steph Batgirl story. So, it's, you know... It, it, for every every group, you know, of, of readers that come in, just like, you know, when when Steph became back for Batgirl, a bunch of Cassandra Kane fans felt really displaced. Um, you know, so just like now a bunch of Stephanie fans feel displaced because Barbara has become Batgirl, you know. Mm-hmm. They'll be whenever whenever there's another Batgirl after that, then those Barbara fans will be displaced because of whatever. It's you know, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, uh, Hal Jordan. It's 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 it's, it's that kind of where everybody's going to have their own favorite. Mm-hmm. Well, and that and that's the thing with the new Fifty Two. You know, I was really pumped up about Jeff Johns doing Justice League. I met him a couple of years ago. Heck of a nice guy. Totally, I'm ruined for him all the way with his stuff. And I was like, yeah, Justice League. And then they found about you know with you at the Batgirl. And I was like, oh, that's disappointing. That was a you know a fun little <laughs> book. And you know, so it's 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 give and take for me too. But this new universe, there's things I really like. And there's other things I was bummed about. But then Cyber. when I heard you were doing Smallville, I was very you know, excited about that. Saying, oh, good, he's doing more comics because I enjoyed his comics and mm-hmm. I enjoyed his Smallville episodes. And this is kind of the best bro- of both worlds for me. So I was pumped well, about that. I mean, tonally, too, it's not because you know, I can certainly – like like within the Smallville stuff, there were darker episodes that I wrote like Luther and then lighter episodes that I wrote like War. Um, so I can certainly write light and dark, but but you know, approach-wise and tonally, that same, with rare exception, um, novel comic. It's generally, it's it's the same kind of approach I was doing on the Batgirl book, to where you know, if if it's not something I'd be comfortable with, both a grandma watching and a ten-year-old watching on the TV, it's probably not going to make it into the book. So, so it's not that that bad kind of all ages way, but it's you know trying to stay away from things that are too gratuitous because you don't necessarily need all the gratuity. So, right, mm-hmm. not to tell the story because I think sometimes the shock value can become a little bit of a crutch in um in storytelling. It certainly works for sales for certain things, but right. that's not um that's not a way we're going to go with the um with the book. I mean, you know, there'll still be someone saying "son of a bitch" and slapping someone in the face at some point, but. You know, it's it's not going to be you know. Well, even even when we did Saw episodes on the show, they weren't Saw. You know, it's still it still was grisly for us, but still not grisly. 
Well, I mean, heroes like Superman and Batgirl aren't like that anyway. No. Oh, and that's the thing too. Like it's it's very. Um, I had described it to someone as you know, kind of Clark's approach and Clark's place is very Chris Reeve. Like it's mm-hmm. a very Christopher Reeve, Richard Donnery yeah. feed for um, for the for the book. And to be honest, that's what we're missing in the new Fifty Two. So I'm glad it's back. Well, yeah, it's and that that kind of feel. I mean, you had asked earlier what the you know what would people find in the Superman book versus the others. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be that. Yeah. Good way to put it, and I think that's the best way to have it. Um, the one of the best ways I heard described uh, Superman described as was like a Subway sandwich, and that you know how you go to Subway and you can ask for what you want on your sandwich. Superman's the kind of same way, you know. Some people prefer the Christopher Reeve from the movie. Some people prefer the one you're writing for Smallville. Some people might prefer the one that's out now. Um, it's just interesting how. Superman just can be taken in so many different ways, and I'm glad DC Comics is giving us lots of different versions to choose from. No, absolutely. I mean, because you definitely, you'll get a distinctly different Superman when you read Action, as you will, you know, than when you read Justice League, than, you know, when you read Superman. Like, I think it's, 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 some people would say it's inconsistent, but I think it also gives you Kind of like the uh, like the Spider-Man books used to be, where you had like right. Web of Spider-Man and you know Amazing Spider-Man, and, and the, there's choice. So whichever one appeals to you, you're still getting a Spider-Man story. It's just more to your taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smallville. Yes. And the other thing, you know, we were talking a little bit about shock factor and intense moments in your comic books. Um, going on your Teen Titans run briefly, we thought that the sacrifice of Kid Devil in your arc was very emotionally touching. Mm-hmm. And how did you go about kind of writing off a character that had such a big story arc around that time? In it was sad. It was sad. I've yeah. never killed a character before then. So okay. <laughs> it's a really, it's a really hard thing to do to, to kill a character yeah. when you're writing. Um, it, um, I want to say it came up because when one had come on, uh, we weren't sure if it was going to be uh, the editor and I, if it was going to be for like the run, like in perpetuity, right. or just for a fill-in. Like it was ideally just for a fill-in for a few arcs. I mean, for a few issues, but could move on to other things. So there were certain things um, that they wanted to have in place that constantly changed, depending as comics do, that depending on you know what the what the prevailing winds were. Um, regarding Eddie, um, we had wanted the goal was for the team to suffer enough of a loss for Wonder Girl to leave. That was the initial intent. Um, and so we're like, okay, well then, what's the biggest, what's the biggest fail we could have in action for her to get pissed off enough about and leave? And that would be the one kind of civilian who's on the team now going down under her watch. Um, and a and, lot of people went down under her watch too. Over her oh yeah. Well, yeah, and yeah. Titans die all the time. It's the most irresponsible thing that's ever been conceived is the Teen Titans. <laughs> yeah. um, they just keep dying. Um, How many teenagers can you kill in one swig? Yeah. Uh, for real. Um, yeah. But but then but then Deathstroke yeah. can't beat them, so I don't um, – Yeah. Doesn't but make sense. With, with that book, um, what was handy in that thinking was that at the time they were doing these origins and omens right. things in the back of all the DC comics where they were kind of teasing at things that were going to happen in the coming year on the books. And one of the origins and omens was Dead Eddie. 
yes. was that he's skeleton on the ground. So we're like, okay, well, that's kismet because we want to have this big enough loss. And then we've already teased that Eddie's going to die, so let's just do that. So then it was kind of just about doing you know, Eddie. It was, yeah, it was about Eddie's sacrifice and Eddie um, kind of proving his worth as a hero, even though he didn't have powers anymore. Which is sad because he became a really developed character throughout that oh, series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we really oh, yeah. enjoyed him. Like, I kept reading issue after issue because of, like, the small characters that were in that. the book. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, um, yeah, so it was, so it wasn't, you know, a throwaway kind of decision of, like, well, let's just murder somebody because it's sensational, even though the, <laughs> the, the cover made it sensational. Right. Uh, but that wasn't the intent. It was, you know, there was already, you know, kind of pipe laid for Eddie dying at some point. And it was more to kind of push the team in a certain direction. Um, and then, you know, change happened and the team didn't end up going in that direction anyway. Yeah, and that was a fun team to work with you had for that. Yeah. Oh yeah, they were great. Arc. They were great. Oh yeah. I think Static was in that arc as well. Yeah. Which is a Static fun was in there and then um Bombshell and Megan were both in there. Blue right. Beetle. And and that's when that's when I um, kind of fell in love with Bombshell and Megan, which is why I had them both up when Batgirl needed reinforcements in uh, in issue twenty three. Yes, well, Megan is a great character. We really enjoyed. I don't know if you saw the Young Justice episode. I'm a couple her. weeks behind. I just, if you're a fan of Megan, you'll enjoy that it. episode. Okay. If you're a fan of DC Nation, we cover that every week too. So yes, we just do promotion podcast. right there. Okay. Yeah, you could if you wanted. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. That would be really, really cool. No, I dug. I dug the Zatanna Fate Helmet bit. I thought that was awesome. Yes. That was heart wrenching. Well, and it was something. It was. It was. It was something just in kind of that DC sandbox that I had never thought about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was Zatanna putting on the Fate Helmet, and then there's you know female Fate with Zatanna trapped under it, and I thought it was great. Yeah. Well, the way they do fate on that show is just so interesting because it's his own en- entity, a lot like on Smallville. Yeah, yeah, which we we didn't really get to explore like we had wanted to because it just didn't it didn't work out. Right, because he only had two episodes for him. Yeah, and then we were kind of going to touch on it again because Chloe used the fate helmet, but then it um it just didn't we we just wound up not pursuing it any any further. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you guys gave Young Justice the idea. True. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's possible it's so many people on Smallville used it okay, I appreciate you being humble about that that's definitely cool no it's 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 all good it's all good <laughs> nice nice alright well I think that's going to wrap things up on this episode again Michael and I thank you a ton Brian for joining us absolutely this is a great boost for our podcast I'm sure no, thank, thank you guys for, for having me, and I apologize for um, all of the... I'm sure it'll be seamless when everyone listens to it, but there have been dogs <laughs> throwing up and phone calls that have come in, and it's, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a little chaotic. So, but, um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for being patient while I was going through all that. It's yeah. been like five hours. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, man. It's awesome having you, so we really could care less. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, we definitely thank you for all your wisdom and yes. everything that you you know did for us on this podcast. Uh, a lot of great information and was totally you know what we wanted and was just a lot of fun. So and we wish you luck on Smallville season eleven too. Yes, we do. Thank Every- you very much. 
April uh, April thirteenth digital on Fridays because Smallville was on on Fridays, so it'll come out every Friday. Yeah, and nice. then um, May second for print. Definitely very cool, and cannot wait. Keep up with that, and Brian. Hopefully, we'll see how things go. We'd love to have you come back again too. You had a great no, time absolutely. DC Nation. Yes, and also check out our various podcasts, the regular Across the Airways, which covers live action shows, and also our spinoff podcasts. Across the Airways DC Nation, which covers the shows that have to do with DC Nation, as well as Michael's podcast, ATA Smallville Retro Reviews, yep. which soon will be covering Brian's comic that he's working on. That has oh, jeez. <laughs> well, we covered a few of your episodes, actually. We covered uh, Committed and we covered Bulletproof already, okay. so... One one out of two that I'm totally happy with is not bad. Well, my live action <laughs> show covered the last season of Smallville, okay. so there's also Luther, yeah, Masquerade and Prophecy, Masquerade Prophecy, as yep. well. And we were very, nice, so don't worry. So thank you, very cool. And you anything. know what, everybody, like we said earlier, everybody's entitled to have their opinion, so right. it's exactly. it's all good. And that's yeah. what our show is: opinions. So there you go. Yes, news and opinions on the television industry. Yes, news. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So with that, we're digressing, and we're going to um, let Brian enjoy the rest of his evening. So we'll catch you guys all on the airwaves. And see you next week, and thanks for joining us. Yep, thanks, guys. guys. Yeah, thank you, you, Brian. No, thank you. No, thank you. No. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.